Boy, how exciting is this? With the 11th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the My Chicago Bears select Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State. As we do kind of transition to be able to talk about football as well, because I do, I do want to say I, I'm very appreciative of Nathan for for joining us. Because again, I've been talking to him throughout the week, and it, he's had an insanely busy schedule with the Rose Bowl coming up. And you're going to see this with kind of the college football playoff coming up as well. It's a it's a crazy time, and look, we as a as a group have kind of come to the point of where. The season is what it is. And we now want to try and look forward and be more positive because we've seen whether it's podcasts we've listened to, posts on Twitter, everything's been so negative around the Bears. And look, we understand it. We have not been good this year. So we've decided to be able to talk about the, to kind of go ahead to talk about some of the coaching decisions kind of moving forward. So we've decided that we will break this up. Today, we're going to be talking about the college coaches. Mainly, it'll be Ryan Day and it'll be Jim Harbaugh. So, we've had a little bit of kind of a, a background in terms of the Ohio State kind of side of things. So, both Corey and Anthony will be talking to us today kind of about Jim Harbaugh and kind of looking at the Michigan side because look, there's a lot of whether we talk about Ryan Day, whether we talk about Jim Harbaugh, there are links to the Bears that are important to delve into, important to talk about. So what I think that we'll start off with, because I think it's important that we actually, we do analyze this as a whole and not just kind of talk about it in very shorthandedness when we're talking about these potential coaches that could come in. So look, I think the important thing is to kind of, we'll look at the background first. So 
do you guys want to talk about Jim Harbaugh first in terms of looking at the background to where he where he's gotten to where he is right now? Go on, come yeah, I can. Up. Yeah, I can. Um, I can give kind of a, a a briefer overview, and then we can kind of delve in a little bit if if that sounds kind of like a good plan. Perfect. Um, so. Obviously, his alma mater, Michigan, he was playing quarterback for Michigan, uh, brought them to a Rose Bowl. Um, after that, he was drafted in the first round to the Chicago Bears. He had two consecutive seasons where he brought them to the playoffs. Um, 1991, who knows what would have happened? He got hurt. Uh, Tom Peter uh, Willis had to come in. Um, they obviously didn't go anywhere. Uh, but, but, you know, still there was, there was some hope in that season. Um, it had a lot of the structure of, of, of the 85 bears still. Um, he went on to the Colts where he got the nickname, the comeback kid. Uh, he, he had a, this reputation for coming back later in games. Um, and then he kind of bounced around the NFL for a little bit to different teams. He, uh, retired, uh, in Car Carolina as a Panther, um, but the, the last eight years of his professional career, he was an unpaid assistant for his dad at Western Kentucky University. He was analyzing the talent. He was recruiting. Um, and he actually was responsible for bringing on 17 players to the, I think, 2001-2002 Division National Championship team for Western Kentucky. Um, he goes on to be a quarterback's coach for what was then the Oakland Raiders. He then goes on to the University of San Diego uh, to be their head coach. He had um, a lot of success there. He was seven and four in his first year. He was 11 and one the next couple of years. Um, Stanford, I think, is when he really started to come up in the ranks. He had, at the time, the biggest comeback or, or the biggest um upset in college football history. Stanford came back in the last minute of the game to, with a, a touchdown to win it over USC. And it, it was, I, I wasn't paying too much attention back then to this, right? You know, but reading about it now, it was unbelievable. They were 41 point underdogs going into that game. <laughs> <laughs> like statistically speaking, it, it was statistically speaking, it was the greatest, greatest underdog win of college football. Um, he goes on to uh, have a great career at Stanford. Um, he wins over, he, you know, upsets USC a couple more times. Um, but then where it gets interesting is he, when he was head coach for the 49ers, he came in um, kind of a similar situation to the bears where the 49ers were by all means expecting to have this horrific rebuild season. And he comes in and leads them to the NFC championship. And then he does that the next two years. Uh, his final year there, they're eight and eight, very middle of the road. Um, and then he goes back to his alma mater, Michigan, where he got a lot of criticism. It's It's been a long time coming for this Big Ten championship. Um, and I'm really excited to see what happens. Um, I, I think if he wins the national title, I don't think there's any question that he's going to go to the NFL personally. Um, I think he will have... I think he'll feel like his work is done at the college level. Um, and for me, the big picture about Jim Harbaugh is unfinished business in the NFL because with the 49ers, he got so close three years in a row. He made it to the Super Bowl uh, in 2012 and he lost to his brother 
who was head coach of the Ravens, obviously John Harbaugh. Uh, so I, I, I feel like, especially if Michigan goes on to win the national championship uh, coming up, I think that he's, he's destined for the NFL. Yeah, I think I think what I came across when I was looking at all this stuff that, that he did was he just comes across as a winner. He comes across as someone who wins. And you look at the 49ers is where I really focused on because when we speak about college football coaches, and I know, Karen, you're going to speak with Ryan Day in a minute, and it's, it's really interesting. But I always look at it and go, didn't we have that with Matt Nagy or not Matt Nagy? Isn't there, isn't there so many kind of college coaches that you see that don't make it in the NFL? One thing you say about Harbaugh, his four years at, at 49ers, he transformed that organization. And he transformed that team so much that when he left, they fired their head coach within a year that went that came in to replace him. The other thing that stands out with him is it's a weird one, and it's not something I'm going to look it up today, is Colin Kaepernick. And the, the work he did with Colin Kaepernick at the 49ers, that just gives a little bit of a sense what he could do with a Justin Fields. Now, I'm not saying they're the same players. Don't get me wrong. They're completely different style of players in a lot of ways. But I just like the way he worked with Kaepernick and got him to where he could have been. Um, and the 49ers were unlucky not to win, not to win a Super Bowl. And I just like that about him. Um, I also like the fact that he, he came to Michigan and this year, from what I'm reading, he seems to have transformed our coaching ticket. Um, and a lot of a lot of younger coaches he's bringing through. And I know he went to his brother's team and, and robbed a couple of coaches from there that, that have been impressed on the defensive side of the football. But I just think there's a, there's a lot of positive stuff to be, to be there. And he seems to regularly talk positively about Chicago Bears and the McCaskey family. It's it's an interesting one. It's, it's something that I personally think I've gone from uh, I don't know about him to mm, there's an interesting there's an interesting dynamic and conversation to be had. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's always interesting when it comes up with kind of Jim Harbaugh because it, it it's one of those that you're like. Hmm, where does it fit? Does it fit what the Bears want to do? And it it, it is really interesting because it's all he's always been one name that people have constantly brought up, and it's always been one of those things that is the timing right. And that's I guess that's gonna be obviously <clears throat> that's gonna be obviously one of the kind of questions that we talk about, like especially with both these guys, that this might just be possible to where the timing fits. Before I kind of talk about Ryan Day and do that kind of the background for him, I think the fact that the college coaching landscape has changed so much this year is if a team wants kind of a high-profile college coach, this may be the only year you're able to get them because we, when we were talking to Nathan, is that Ohio State are going to have to pay more for uh, Ryan Day. So, like there's the potential to where if the Bears were really interested in him, you could do that. Jim Harbaugh actually took a pay cut because he wasn't doing as well. So now that if they win the national championship, Michigan are going to have to pay up. So you have that potential to where you can actually get involved in negotiations with these guys. And you honestly, I think this is the only chance you're going to get because if Michigan win the national championship, which a lot of people are expect, expecting them to do, or at least to have a chance, because obviously it's difficult when Alabama is still in the college football playoff. But once he gets paid, it's going to be almost impossible for you to get him out of Michigan because that's a difficult contract to be able to get out of because he's going to get highly paid afterwards. So it is an interesting one. When we talk about Wayne Day, 
the one reason why I think we've brought up these two head coaches rather than any other reason is just they both have experience in the NFL. Now, Jim Harbaugh has obviously way more experience because he was a head coach in the NFL. But in terms of Ryan Day, just so people know, he's, he kind of he was the offensive coordinator for Temple in 2012, as well as the offensive coordinator then for Boston College in 2013-2014. From there, um, when Chip Kelly got hired as the head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles, he was brought in as the quarterbacks coach uh, for 2015. And then obviously in 2016, he... Once he got um, once Chip Kelly got fired from Philadelphia, um, and I think he went to the San Francisco 49ers, Chip Kelly brought Ryan Day with him. It then was back in 2017 to where Day was brought in for Ohio State, and the reason for it, um, really was because Urban Meyer they were winning everything and then they got destroyed by Clemson. And they were trying to realize, well, what's going on with our offense that they're so good throughout the kind of regular season. Then when it was getting to the national championship or the college football playoff equivalent in in 2017, something wasn't working for Ohio State. So, like, it was interesting because Day came in as he was – he replaced the co-offensive coordinator, Tim Beck, at that stage at Ohio State. But he was promoted because he was linked to the Tennessee Titans job or to be the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans in 2018. So the one thing that we can say is while, while we talk about Jim Harbaugh having this extensive experience in the NFL, which he does, the fact that we're seeing, and also we, we spoke to Nathan, who you said that Washington were, were interested as well. There's been multiple NFL teams that have been interested in him to come in as that offensive coordinator, which at that time would have been appropriate because he was only an offensive coordinator in college as well. But then everything changed once kind of Urban Meyer left. You mentioned earlier on, Corey. So from 2019, I think up until 2021, He's been the head coach for Ohio State. And you have to give him a lot of credit. Since then, he's gone 33-4. and four. So there's not many losses there. And he's a guy that, look, Ohio State are making the college football playoff pretty much every year. This is the first year that it hasn't happened. And they're in the Rose Bowl instead. So it, it is an interesting scenario when we kind of talk about those two. Um, but, yeah, like it's – that background, I think, is very important. The fact that both of these guys have had experience, both in the NFL level, but also at the college level, because it shows they know mistakes, what mistakes have been made. That's why I actually like the fact that both guys have seen both their success at one of the levels, but also failure. So, like, Ryan Day have had success in that kind of, the first two years with Chip Kelly was good, but then he saw what happened from there. He saw that when you when you don't try and be that overall head coach and you don't try and kind of take control of the entire organization or the entire team, how it can how you can fall flat in your face. And honestly, I think one of the things that's interesting, and this is one of the questions that a lot of people will have is what we saw this year with Urban Meyer, that you can't come in here 
into an NFL building thinking you're the hotshot. Because if that happens, you will fall flat on your face. And I think that's why there's a lot of people out there that are a little bit skeptical when it comes to the college kind of guys. So from there, what I'll what I'll do is look we'll talk about kind of their I guess coaching philosophy or their strengths. So if you guys want to talk about Jim Harbaugh first and then I'll kind of go in and talk a little bit about Ryan Day and what kind of are their strengths. Whether you want to talk about defense, offense, it, it's up to you guys. So whatever you want to do, Anthony, Corey, do either of you want to take it away for Jim Harbaugh? Go on, Corey, you go again if you want. Sure. Um, so he's he's known as kind of a, a quirky kind of guy. He's uh, – which I actually – I, I kind of like, and I like that idea for the Bears very much. Um in in terms of coaching, I think Frank Gore said it best. He, um, I have it written down here, but the basically the overall gist of it was that when he came into the 49ers organization, the 49ers were completely down on their luck and he came in and turned the entire culture around. And Frank Gore, his, his quote was, if you don't love football, it's going to be hard to play for Harbaugh. And I think that quote is is a, a really good example of the kind of coach that you're going to get out of Harbaugh. Um, he's he's relentlessly competitive. He has a love for the game that is rooted in in his childhood. He he moved around with his family because of of his dad moving around to different coaching positions. Um, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find somebody as as passionate as Jim Harbaugh is just about the, the game of football um, over his, his years of coaching. It's, you know, he runs his offense typically uh, run first, which I think is also a fantastic, uh, a fantastic jump for the Chicago bears. And he's, he's proven that he can work with um, rookie quarterbacks and, and quarterbacks that are, are, you know, coming up in the league. He, he coached, Andrew Luck at Stanford. He came in, I think, second for the Heisman Trophy that year. Um, he he coached Colin Kaepernick. Um, he actually, when um, Alex Smith got hurt in that in that year for the 49ers, and Kaepernick came in to take over, it was Harbaugh that actually said, you know, when when Alex Smith was healthy, he said, "Hold on, Kaepernick, we're." we're doing some good things here. And he actually let Kaepernick play. Um, he he kind of has that idea, you know, at Michigan, he had that two quarterback kind of philosophy sometimes, uh, which not to say that I agree with, but I think being a quarterback himself, um, being a quarterback's coach in the league, I think that kind of lends itself to a unique perspective of being able to coach a rookie quarterback effectively because he's, he's literally walked in, in, Justin Fields shoes you know he's he played for the Bears his his rookie season he literally knows what he's going through um and so there's there's a lot about Jim Harbaugh that can translate very well for the Bears uh culture and organization I think um and you know honestly reading about him I I wasn't totally convinced uh that he was the best, you know, college coach candidate um, until I really started looking into his philosophy and his pedigree. I, you're, I don't think you're going to find a better pedigree in the college arena than Jim Harbaugh. 
Yeah, and I think I doubled down on that completely. That's the one thing I took out of uh, out of the last 24 hours, 48 hours reading about this guy, is culture. And what have we been saying, Karen, from week one of the Irish Bears show? It's culture, culture, culture within the Chicago Bears. And this guy seems to have it. There's, there's another quote that he's speaking about where, about his team where he basically gave the players the responsibility to make certain calls. So it's up to them to run to run certain scenarios. And I love that idea. It gives responsibility to some of our players who have been hiding in the in Chicago Bears colours for some time. And he, he almost calls them out. Again, I love the fact it's smash around football. I love the fact it's run the ball. And oh my God, we have two players still on rookie deals who can run the damn football. And what have Chicago Bears been looking to do is run the football. And it, it, I just like that idea. My one worry, my one worry, is, it's, the, it's a scenario that I left him with at, at San Francisco, is his relationships with GMs and his, his ability to suddenly get lost in that it's power struggle almost in, in San Francisco. And it's what cost him his job because he suddenly tried to fight the GM up there, and, and you don't usually win because it's he or she's call at the end of the day, and, and I think that's a danger because it's not like Ryan Day or Ryan Ryan Day. Say like Ryan Pace is guaranteed to be in Chicago, and suddenly you're bringing somebody else in. I would just worry on the, on, on that side. Let's be honest, we're not the most stable of, of front offices. Um, if he's given, but as Corey said, if he's given the opportunity to fill the staff, if he's given the opportunity to to make those decisions at that level, I'm I would be really interested, in, and he would go really. He's gone already really high up on my list in the last forty eight hours, and I'd be with Corey. I I, I didn't see it. I, I I just heard all the stories about San Francisco and and that that Michigan were were kind of not doing as great as they should do, and he was getting a bit of stick from the Michigan fans. If you look anywhere, you can see it. It just he, if he's getting stick from the Michigan fans, he's damn sure ready for Chicago Bears because we give stick no matter what happens. So yeah, again, I, I'm I'm interested to see Karen actually your take on on Ryan Day and comparing the two between the two. Yeah, look, Ryan Day is it, he's always been one of those guys that I've been interested in, and obviously, I think a lot of a lot of people have linked him into the Bears job because of Justin Fields. And that relationship that they had, and you li- you just have to go back and listen to his interview with the Chicago Bears media when Justin was was interviewed to kind of, I guess, get the insight. And one of the interesting things is anybody doesn't doesn't really know much about Ryan Day is I urge you to go onto YouTube, and I think it was back in the twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen season. I think it was the twenty nineteen season, the first season that Justin feels was with Ohio State, that he did kind of a conference about his offensive philosophy, both in the run game and the passing game, and how the most important thing to him is building an offense that plays to the strengths of the players that he has. And it's one thing that always kind of reaches out to me when we talk about Chicago, because what is one of the key things that we complain about when it comes to Matt Nagy that he's not putting, he's not basing his offense on the quality players that he has. And he's trying to fit these kind of square pegs into round holes and trying to force this system that he knows from Kansas city onto players that they, they just don't fit in that system because he, he needs to get over the fact that we don't have Tyreek Hill. We don't have Kelsey. Right now, we don't have Mahomes. You're trying to build to that. That's what he ideally wanted to do, but he wasn't able to. So by looking at that, that was the first thing that stuck out to me. And I mentioned it 
to Nathan that that was the biggest transition for me when you looked at Ohio State. Because when we looked at Ohio State offenses prior to Ryan Day being there, while the offenses looked great in college football, it was that typical one that it didn't translate to the NFL level. Because a lot of the offensive structure that they used wasn't used in the NFL game. But now when we look at Ryan Day, the one thing that I really like is actually his disguises because he uses kind of a similar play to do three or four different things. So he likes a lot of kind of the zone runs. He likes, like we always talk about how Justin Fields constantly only was kind of throwing bombs in college. And it's actually further, that it couldn't be further from the truth when it kind of goes into this. So what I'll do is I'll kind of break down a little bit of his philosophy in terms of his offense and kind of what ends up happening. The one thing, like I said before, is that in the off season is when he does a lot of his kind of main structure for his offense. So the one thing that when you kind of look through any of the reporters notes, if you can kind of, there's so much that you could kind of look at on Ryan Day, but he says during the off season, he wants his player personnel department to go through their base plays a minimum a hundred times in preparation for the season. So that's that's something that's so important. And I feel like we don't get that in Chicago where we should know the base plays from the Bears to where there's so many different variations that can be that can be used. So for example, in the running scheme that Ohio State have used, they use so many different kind of zones in terms of their running game. They use a tight zone, which essentially is just where the running back is following the center going downhill, which in the, I think it was the 2020 season when Justin Fields was there, Trey Sermon was his running back. And we see that now in terms of the NFL level. That's what he likes to do. Um, they also use kind of the mid-zone running scheme where kind of the running back will go on the inside of either guard. Um, but a lot of it is kind of the outside, the outside zone because what we know about Ohio State is that they've had a lot of athletes at the quarterback position and it's trying to get those players in the right position to essentially make plays but the interesting thing I took from it is just by because I wanted to look about the passing game the running game because we've said this before the bare strength right now is the running game but what you want is you want the passing game to help the running game and vice versa so I was looking at the different styles of runs and like I said, you see kind of the tight zone run, you see kind of the mid zone, also the outside zone. But the interesting thing about it is that there's not a huge amount of, I guess, pre-snap to where you actually know what the difference is going to be. So it's very difficult for a defense to figure out if they know you're running, what type of run is coming. And that's what I really liked about kind of just watching that because normally when people look at the offenses, they don't want to look just like, typical running plays they want to see all these kind of big big passing downs and all these highlight plays but when you look at the bears what do we do well we run the ball so like you guys were saying about jim harbaugh i think it's also very important for ryan day that he's able to do that and he has shown that at ohio state and that's where you're seeing so many running backs that come through from there <coughs> i think we had what two running backs from ohio state i think declared from from the draft last year that have been pretty productive in the NFL. If he's able to do that with those guys and they're able to be prepared for the NFL level, I think that's a really good sign. So that's a starting point, I think, of any offense that we want to look at. But then 
the interesting part as well is the passing concepts are done in a similar way and they're actually not that complicated we all think of Ohio State because we watch them for Justin Fields that it's all these kind of down the field catches but it's actually a lot simpler than what people think he uses a lot of the same kind of I guess this simple pattern so you see a lot of drag routes you see kind of a lot of crossing routes to where it becomes more difficult for defenses to know what's happening so typically what you'll see on a lot of the zone reads you'll see kind of the h-back or the tight end that comes in that he'll be on kind of the right side of the quarterback then what he'll do is he'll shift to the left to kind of confuse the defense and then when the zone read comes he'll actually cut back onto the right to be able to block whether it's the pass rusher coming in or whatever to give the offense a little bit more space but at the same time you're seeing kind of a hitch route maybe on from the x wide receiver but you're also seeing then the two drag routes that's why when nathan was talking about it earlier that garrett wilson was used a lot as that kind of slot wide receiver because a lot of the time the space was actually coming from there because you're seeing the likes of chris Olave go a little bit deeper but what his idea was, was to kind of create space at the three levels. So at the line of scrimmage, if there's a play that's open, you take the kind of quick pass to where you can get those quick and simple six or seven yards on first down, second down. But that if that gets kind of blocked up, you might have a short to, I guess, middle drag route that comes across or a cross route that comes across. So that like, if there's the possibility of, that being open again you're you have a simple first down but then also you may see if he likes to do a lot of fades for kind of your outside receivers that go a little bit deeper so that if that if some of those kind of shorter patterns are covered quite well that there's an option deeper the one thing that i really liked was there was two plays in the college football semi-final against clemson and one was a deep throw that Justin Fields missed to Chris Olave for about, I think it was around 35 yards. And it was about three plays later that they had the exact same formation, the exact same look. And instead of that happening, all four wide receivers blocked and it was a quarterback run. So like, it's the same, it's the same patterns are showing the defense but different results and different plays from those patterns. And it becomes more difficult to find what the offense wants to do. And that's what I find very interesting about what Ryan Day has brought to Ohio State. Can I follow up on that? Just ask you a question on that when it comes to Ryan Day. And Cordy kind of mentioned earlier on about Urban Meyer and what was left behind by Urban Meyer. The worry I would have at Ryan Day is that he's if he, if he took the Chicago job, he's not coming to something that's ready to jump into that yeah. there's a lot of holes to be fixed so even the example you just gave of four wide receivers blocking or four quality wide receivers being weapons for justin fields or whoever the quarterback is that's not here and the likelihood yeah. is that that um that alan robinson will be gone there's the likelihood that that goodwin will be gone that bird will be gone even though before we went any further what a catch um mm-hmm. but like there's 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 so much holes and it's the reason why Harbaugh, for me, stands up that little bit better because he came into San Francisco and it was pretty much, it wasn't as bad as this, but it was definitely up there with it. If I'm saying that about Harbaugh, what would be your answer back to that from a from a Ryan Day perspective? 
it's definitely interesting, but it goes back to the point of the main thing that's about his offense is that he tries to incorporate based on, incorporate his offense based on the talent that is there. So he won't have all these plays if there's guys in the field that can't make them. And I think that's the important part. Like, if he sees that the main part is the running game, <laughs> um, what he will do is he will incorporate more into that running game to try and make that successful, to maybe open up the passing game that little bit more. It's difficult to be able to say because obviously right now we can talk about it. Whatever coach comes in here, if it was the current roster, it would be like, doesn't really matter. Like, again, I think I've mentioned this before. Like, when we look at this offense, it's like you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. Like, <laughs> at, the end, at the end of the day, like, until we see improvements of the personnel, which hopefully we do see in this offseason, it's going to be difficult to project. So that's why I think a lot of people are saying we want to have an established head coach that, come, that has come in there. And that's why I, we've spoken with these two in particular. Because at different scenarios, they've had to come in at tough times. So, like, Corey, you mentioned it when we were talking to Nathan, that he was essentially given the Ohio State job. But the one thing that I kind of get to that point is that that was during a time where that really could have fallen apart. Everything that was around Ohio State was built by Urban Meyer. And then all the scandal yeah. that happened, and that followed him, obviously, to the NFL level. The one thing is that he was able to steady that ship and to build on what was already there. It's a completely different scenario because, like you said before, Ohio State was a great football team. They get all these brilliant prospects that come in, and he was able to kind of sustain that and actually improve on that. But the one thing I go back to, and it's the one thing I really like, is that he put an emphasis on the quarterback position. And it's one thing that Ohio State, for a lot of years, didn't really do. They had all these athletes come in that could fit into that system that Urban Meyer was using that could be successful in college football. But we saw that once he gets to the NFL level, it didn't work. Urban, or sorry, Ryan Day put that on his head and was like, we need to have a more <coughs> pro-style offense and get these quarterbacks to a level to where we can be successful. But it's also putting your wide receivers in a position to be successful, your offensive linemen to be in a position to be successful, and ultimately the quarterbacks. Where We've seen Justin Fields, like there's been flashes to where he's shown his ability and he's developing quite nicely. We're seeing the offensive linemen from his time at Ohio State be very capable receiver or linemen in the NFL. We're going to see two of his wide receivers this year get drafted in the first round probably. We're going to see another one next year. We're going to see some of his tight ends over the next year or two get drafted. And that's all due to what Ryan Day was able to do. Because we look at it from the past maybe 10 or 15 years. It was always the running back and maybe the odd wide receiver here or there. I know like Michael Thomas and stuff was one. But then all the other stuff to do at Ohio State was always like their running backs, so like Zeke Elliott, for example. So what I liked is just the emphasis that he put on the quarterback position. So my question to go back to you guys is one of my worries about Jim Harbaugh has always been that quarterback position. You go back to San Francisco, obviously he did quite well with Alex Smith brought in Colin Kaepernick, but it hasn't really been a stellar position since his time at Michigan. 
and you would have expected by now that he would have put a particular emphasis on that and what's your takeaway from that and do you think that he can be successful with a quarterback like Justin Fields? Look, I think if if we're looking only at the scheming around quarterback position, I agree. I think Ryan Day has it, mostly because he has literally schemed around Justin Fields, right? And and he's done it successfully, you know? But first of all, I think it's really important to mention about Harbaugh that he uh, he runs his offense. It's back back to base, basics. He's not getting cute. He's not running wildcat. He's not running a bunch of trick plays. He's not running Santa sleigh. You know, with, <laughs> with what a you know Mooney tossing it to Fields in the end zone. He's not doing that. You know, he. I understand what you're saying about his lack of pedigree in terms of coaching an outstanding quarterback. But I think what he has proven is that he can take a team scheme around that team scheme towards the natural talents of that team. And I think because he has, because Justin Fields has such talent, I think that would be very exciting for Jim Harbaugh. I think to take his style of run first offense and be able to, advance that and to execute some ideas in terms of explosive plays with, with, you know, over the top go routes, um, things of that nature. I think that that complements his, his current style of offense very well. And also I think that, you know, the Chicago bears have taken chances on the Canadian football player or coach of the year. And the Andy Reed wannabe that was handed the Andy Reed playbook. We have taken chances on on unproven coaches and on unproven systems. And Ryan Day to me has not proven his his worth and has not proven his success in the NFL. Where you look at Jim Harbaugh, no, he wasn't he wasn't coaching a you know. Uh, Mahomes or Tom Brady or anything like that, but he brought the 49ers to three consecutive NFC championship games when they were in the pits before that, you know, that to me proven NFL success. Uh, I, I can't fathom another coach without that kind of success behind him coaching us going forward. And also the context that he has, um, the fact the Vic Fangio connection that is there that is actually there and look if Denver want to fire someone and they want to fire Vic Fangio if he wants to walk back at the Hallis Hall in the morning sorry Sean Desai but step aside my man the daddy's home I just think there would be a real nice connection there in, in that side the other thing that, that that stands out for me is Corey mentioned it a little bit but it's it's the fact that this guy is a proven winner at NFL level and also has a bit of an attitude about him. And you got to remember, you're coming to the city of Chicago. You're coming to a really, really, really tough supporter base who are desperate for success, who are looking at our friends up the north winning and laughing at us. And what you want is you want a co- head coach to come into this place and go, that's mine. Something that stood out to me very, very quickly is if you look at the record of, of Jim Harbaugh at San Francisco against the Packers, it's four and zip. He's won four and lost zero. Straight away, I was like, give him the job. That's all I could think about. Give him the job. I just like that. I like his, I like the attitude of what he was saying. I like the fact he only uses Excel. That's because I'm old, but I like that. I like the fact that he 
just looks at the, at the actual effort of what the game is about. And I think he, everything, every time you listen to him talking about Chicago, talking about their Caskies, talking about the Bears organization, it's nothing but positive, which is not always the case with others. Now, I know we're only speaking about the, about college coaches and we we'll probably go into other dream scenarios down the road, but, but I'd be really interested to see how it goes eventually if we compare a Harbaugh to a Sean Payton or to, to uh, Brian Dable or any of those kind of guys that come down, down the tracks. I, I must admit, I say it again, it's probably the third time I've said this, but I'm actually quite surprised at how enthused I felt after reading about, about Jim Harbaugh. And, and I, I would not be against the idea of him being the head coach of Chicago Bears. I would be very interested as to see who his general manager would be because I really don't think him and Ryan Pace would get on. I don't know why I think that, but I just think there's a clash of personalities 100% there. Um, so if Jim, if Jim Harbour comes in, they need to bring in a, a different general manager with him. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it is it is one of those that it's an interesting conversation because, yeah, look, we've broken this down into the college coaches. The one thing I'd be remiss, I, I, we kind of have to bring up, and it, it's one of the things that... Uh, Corey let me know about recently was a particular tweet that came out a couple of years ago. Um, we will we will show this. This might cover Anthony's face, but it's all right. We'll put it up there. It does. Yeah, look. So Jim, Jim Harbaugh to the Bears, extreme wishful thinking. Now, the interesting part here is this is all the way back in 2013, Corey. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> clearly I'm a psychic. Uh, first of all, we can see that tweet got a ton of traction. <laughs> zero likes, zero retweets, zero comments. Is so, this, this back when like you were just on it yourself and you like didn't follow anybody? Or, or yes, yes, on? exactly. I was only on it and I literally only followed sports and I would just put out like random sports thoughts into the Twitterverse and nobody paid attention to me, which was fine by me. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> when I, when I, when I, re, when I thought of, had to remember that I put that tweet out, I thought it was because it was the second year in a row that, um, the 49ers were going to the NFC championship game, um, or, or going to the Super Bowl that year. What it, what that, I looked at the date, what it actually was, was when the 49ers beat the, beat Green Bay in the divisional round, like 45 to 31. <laughs> And that was my, that like was enough to be like, oh God, please, I would love that. You know, so it was just funny that I thought I was tweeting that out because they were going to the Super Bowl. But no, it was actually because they had just beaten the Packers really bad in the divisional round. Um, But I think that actually lends itself to a really good point is that Jim Harbaugh understands rivalries and he understands that rivalries are a different breed. They're a different kind of game. And his success at Stanford winning over USC, his success at uh, Michigan now beating Ohio State this year, um, Big Ten championship. I think um, I think that lends itself very well. And the fact that he can obviously beat Green Bay in the playoffs, <laughs> as proven at, with his time at, at the 49ers. Uh, I, I, but seriously speaking, um, a coach that comes into the Chicago Bears next needs to understand the importance surrounding beating the Packers. Um, it's important to understand, obviously, uh, winning and getting to those championship games, getting to the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, priority number two is is has to be beating Green Bay. And of the two college coaches, I would um, probably I would hang my hat on Harbaugh in that in that area. 
Yeah, look, I, I think that's completely fair because one of the comments that was put up actually from one of the guys in the chat, um, I think it was Alan, um, talks about how about we hire the best guy, not the offensive mind or the defensive mind, just the guy who is going to light a fire under these guys and get some results. I completely agree. Look, what, what we're trying to do for this one is we do want to break down the different guys. And look, I know there's a comment also from, from Alan about kind of how about Sean Payton. We will have a show where we talk about the likes of Sean Payton. We'll talk about Mike Tomlin, who has been one of those that people have said, oh, is it time for him to leave Pittsburgh? We will talk about those guys. We will talk about the kind of young, up-and-coming guys in the NFL as well. We will talk about some of those kind of second thread guys. So you have like Dan Quinn, you have Todd Bowles, you have Josh McDaniels. We will talk about some of those guys in a, in a later episode because, look, there's still probably two to three weeks before anything's going to happen. And by the time that happens, we will have spoken about all the potential options for the Bears. The reason we want to do this first is, look, we're coming towards the college football playoff. We're coming towards a lot of these bowl games. And it is important to be able to kind of talk about some of these guys. Where I, I agree with you guys in terms of these, these two is that the advantage that Jim Harbaugh, I think, personally has over Ryan Day one is that he understands the Chicago Bears. He has a relationship with the McCaskies already and a very good one at that. And I think that is really important. But also, I think the only job that he would leave Michigan for would be for the Chicago Bears. I don't think he has this big urge to come to the NFL because he has he's at his alma mater where he has like the ideal job that he probably could have asked for but he has that he does have that close relationship with the bears organization and i feel like if he was to leave michigan that the bears are the only organization he would actually come and leave that job for because he has that personal relationship within the with the bears fans but also with the organization which look we know it's important like we co- we constantly talk about how Matt Nagy wasn't fired last year because he has a really good relationship with ownership. They're probably going to look into that. It's the reason why a lot of people have said that Josh McDaniels is a possibility because apparently he hired, he was, he interviewed very well when Matt Nagy was there, but I think he, it just came across that he wasn't ready to take a head coaching job at the time. Um, and that kind of, they're proved right because he was going to take the Colts job and then he pulled back out. But from all intents and purposes that he, he interviewed very well with the Bears and they were considering him. Um, my guess is there was probably a question with the quarterback at the time, which is probably a reason why he didn't. He wasn't one of the guys that got hired. Um, but with Jim Harbaugh, for me, the one thing I do like, you do have to just look at what happened in San Francisco. You guys are completely right. They were a shit show before he came in. Like They were the laughing stock of the NFL to where everybody expected them just to lose 14, 15 games, almost every single season. He came in, he was able to change that well, pretty quickly. And I've been, I, I think I was probably in the same boat as you, Corey. If I looked back at kind of my personal Twitter, I probably have a million tweets about Jim Harbaugh trying, trying to get him to Chicago because he was one of those guys. I think a lot of fans would gravitate towards 
because he's that hard nosed SOB that doesn't give any shit that he he's that guy on the sidelines that you want to root for. And I think he would be a very easy hire for a lot of Bears fans to get behind. There's obviously going to be some, like, this is the one thing, and I want to bring this to you, Anthony, because we will kind of wrap up in terms of talking with these guys. We'll, we'll talk if there's anybody else that we look at in college. There might not be these. They're probably the two main ones. But no matter what happens, I feel like there's going to be this kind of divide anyway because there's some people that are like, no, I want the young offensive coordinator, or this new young guy coming through. Others are like, no, we we had offense, we need defense. Other people are gonna be like, no, we need a guy that has done it before, a head coach, someone like that. So, going into this important part of the season, to where we're gonna go to these last two games, which we will kind of talk about later on in the week. But when it comes to the head coaching. I guess, candidates, interviews, all that. What would you be happy with if you heard from the Bears, even prior to whoever they hire, but in terms of who they are going to interview for this job? I think what Alan said there is, is, is 100% correct. Get the best person for the job. I think what annoys Bears fans a lot, and, and Chubbs is even saying it in our, in our chats, it's, it's they're nice guys. Let's look at the nice guy first. Uh, and if they're nice people, then then we will take them. Or, oh, Ryan likes Sean Payton. Or somebody else likes somebody else. Or, screw that. Who is the best person to bring this organization forward? Because this organization needs to get ripped out. There needs to be there's roots within this organization on the playing field and upstairs in the front office and all kind of stuff that needs to get removed from this. And you need somebody to go in there and have that attitude and have that belief in themselves. And I think the, the other one is... is I'm, I, I can't speak for myself. I'm sick and tired of being the laughing stock of our division outside of the Lions, let alone the NFL. Like, we've had this season alone, we've had commentators come on and make a joke about the Chicago Bears regularly. They've regularly commented about, oh, we don't, you don't know who your quarterback is. You don't know what this is. You don't know what that is. And unfortunately, they've been right. We have mm-hmm. the number one quarterback up the road saying he owns us. Right? We've had an asshole of a wide receiver who's played one season saying the exact same thing with a t-shirt on. And that's what's happening within this within within Chicago Bears fans. And I've tweeted it regularly on game day. And I regularly come out with Chicago Bears fans don't deserve this. What I want from my next head coach is I want my next head coach to turn around and say, Oh, I love it. If they say that about okay, you see they're all out of clip, brilliant, 100 percent correct, by the way. That's a that's the first starter. I want my head coach when I see them that I know full well that we're not going to get embarrassed. That we're going to have someone that we can get behind and that we can really get behind. And what that style of football is, is up to that person to develop. Now, we have some really good talented players. We have we have our quarterback. It's the first time I think I heard on the Under Center podcast, we were saying it's the first time in how many years that we're not going to go into a summer wondering who our quarterback's going to be. We've got some really good weapons. Um, i got to say it because it's what, an hour and 30 minutes into the show. Daz Newsom, I felt like a, I felt like a father when Daz Newsom <laughs> took those, those 10 yards. I felt like a little proud daddy. Um, but it was it, it's we have some weapons. and uh, We have the likes of Roquan on defense. We do have them. We have loads of holes. And we just, I, I just think we need somebody that's going to develop that. That's why I believe the main criteria is, has someone gone somewhere else and gone from nothing to there really quickly and i think that's that's where jim Harbaugh for me in this conversation and i think you're right i don't think there's any other candidate that i can think of unless you guys can think of anybody else in the college game that would be ready to have that development no i i don't i don't think so the only one that has ever been 
I think, linked with the Chicago Bears job has been Patrick Gerald for Northwestern, but I don't see him leaving there. I think he's he's building something important there. They've put in a lot of new infrastructure around that program, so I think he'll be staying. So I think these are the only two options when it actually comes to the college game because a lot of the other ones have already moved around those big positions in college football. Like I know there was a lot of people before that would have spoken about Lincoln Riley when he was at Oklahoma, but he's recently moved. There's been a couple of other guys that, look, I know, I think Fickle is waiting for Ryan Day to go before he goes to Ohio State. I don't think he'll come to the NFL either. But I think these are the two next guys, if they are to go to the NFL, would be Ryan Day and and Jim Harbaugh. So look, again, same sort of question to you, Corey, is, when we get to after Black Monday, and look, we're going to have all these rumors. Like, we're already seeing it with the Jacksonville Jaguars, where I think it's actually really interesting to see the, the guys that they're targeting. And interestingly enough, there's actually not that many that we've spoken about in terms of who we would want as a Bears head coach. The interesting thing that came up was Dan Quinn rejected to interview with them um whether that be he could have rejected for now and be like i want to focus on our running which i think a lot of head cut or a lot of coordinators are going to do because like if you're going towards a playoff position do you really want to be having to put all this extra work into interviewing for a head coaching job personally i don't think so and it's only over zoom anyway but the reason why I say this is that there was that little story that came out today. I think it was from Hobarkish over in 670, the score, where he was talking about how Ryan Pace wanted to hire Dan Quinn and that he essentially had that deal done when he was kind of head coach and he was, or when he was um, appointed as GM and then it was brought in. So I, I find that very interesting as Dan Quinn has been brought in as a potential candidate for teams this year that that story comes out again. And is it Ryan Pace trying to save his ass again, saying that I really only got one head coaching hire, but when it comes down to it, what would you be happy to see the bears, I guess, do in terms of who they are targeting to even interview? I, first of all, I would be, it's so difficult because there's such a tight window and also the, the league is obviously expanded to um, include more teams in the playoffs now. So with that said, I, they, they need a football minded individual in there um, to help make these decisions. You know, I've, I'm starting to listen to a ton of Olin Krutz interviews and, you know, somebody like him um, if they could just create a position, head of football operations, um, you know, president of football operations, something like that. Uh, they need somebody in there existing currently to help them make these GM and head coach decisions, because we've had 35 years of proof that they can't get it right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that being said, assuming that doesn't happen, I, I, I want them to focus on candidates that have proven success at the NFL level. Like I said earlier in the show, I'm sick of taking, taking chances on, on, on coaches that should pan out that have, you know, look good on paper, um, but don't execute 
when they get to the Chicago Bears. It's happened time and time and time again. The only exception that that we can look at is Lovey Smith. Literally, he's the only exception there. Um, I, I want a proven track record. I think, you know, uh, you put it up, Chubb said about Sean Payton, you know, that's the kind of track record that I'm looking for for the next coach for the Chicago Bears. I think, you know, Harbaugh doesn't obviously have that extensive of a of a, a, a proven track record in the NFL, but, you know, three consecutive trips to the NFC Championship, that's pretty good, you know, especially considering, like you were saying, the 49ers reputation prior to him becoming the head coach. So, you know, I can understand people thinking, you know, like the Cardinals or the Panthers coordinator that that got fired. You know, yeah, he has, he's an offensive mind um, and he's young and he probably has a lot of fresh ideas. But what what have the Panthers done lately? You know, yeah. um, so I'm terrified that they would go out. I can't. What is that guy? I can't think of that guy's name right now. Joe Brady. Um, yes, Joe Brady. I'm terrified that the Bears would hire somebody like Joe Brady, where they need to focus on somebody with actual proven success in the NFL. I'll, I'll be honest, though. I guess all the rumors and all the rumblings that come out, it does seem like the Bears are targeting guys that have extensive track records or have been a head coach before or are very, I guess, respected guys i don't think they're going for the next young gun this year um because look we talk about sean payton and i think that's every that would be everybody's number one you only have to look at the the little tweet that i put out about two days ago which i think is like something like two thousand <laughs> likes and all these crazy comments on it like it goes to show that's if that were to happen and look i think the reason why so many people talk about sean payton is because Sean Payton has a link with Chicago. He's, he's from there. He has, he went to school at Eastern Illinois. He played like a quarter for the Bears when it was like all the, when all the crazy stuff was kind of going on. Like it, it is one of those things that I think when you look at the Bears, obviously Jim Harbaugh has the relationship. You see some of these other head coaches. I wouldn't, I wouldn't poo-poo if you're talking about Don Quinn being a potential option because he's been a head coach before. He's a successful Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin as well. 100%. Like McDaniels, like I mentioned it before, he has been the best offensive coordinator over time. Like I know a lot of people want to talk about Belichick, but Belichick doesn't really have a big say in terms of what goes on in the offensive huddle. You look at McDaniels and people are saying, oh, it's just Brady, but you look at what they've done. They utilize the running game if they need to. If they find that the pass is working, they utilize that. So he's also one that I know a lot of people don't like it because of Denver, but like it's one of those that I think you do have to look at all these candidates of what can they bring? Can they show that they can be the head coach? And that's where I think the main guys kind of go in with kind of Sean Payton and we talk about Jim Harbaugh as well. I think they're probably the the two the two main ones. I think if you can do anything to get Sean Payton, I don't think you're I don't think the Bears would go in and try and trade for him. But I think there's a possibility that if Sean Payton tries to get out of his deal, that there's 
there's a good enough relationship there between those two organizations that they could get something along the lines done. Again, it comes to that point of the reason we talk about Mike Tomlin, the reason we talk about Sean Payton is because you look at the future, the quarterback position for those two teams, and it's tough to see anything. You look at the Steelers, they're seven and seven right now. They're roughly, I think, the 15th or 16th pick of the draft. You're not going to get, you're probably not going to get your future quarterback there unless you're trading up, like we saw, where, and last year was different because there's five quarterbacks in the first round. This year, there's probably going to be two, two or three. Max. Yeah, Max there. Like, uh, Max, there's three. There's like, mm. because anybody after that right now is being kind of slated into like the third and fourth round. So it's, it's a problem for for them. New Orleans is going to be a problem for us. They're winning too many games as well. They're starting to win games as well now. They don't have the greatest of, of teams. You look at that quarterback position. Look, I know Jameis Winston is there, but I don't think a lot of people trust in him. Then you saw how bad Ian Book was. Do you really believe in Taysom Hill? That, like, this could be just the time for him to go. We will kind of delve deeper into this and talk about some of these guys on probably our next kind of show when we're talking about these coaches. But I think where we've come is that I think that is what I want to see. I want to see a guy that has that track track record. I don't care if they bring in Todd Bowles, who's an excellent defensive coordinator. I don't care if they bring in Dan Quinn because if they're the best leader of men, that's what I want to see because – I know people will say, oh, but then you might have to change your offensive coordinator every single year. But look, if you have a quarterback that's good enough, he can usually transcend that from happening, especially if a coach still wants a similar system in place. You can be clever with that. Like that That's the main thing that you want to look at. And look, if you get lucky enough to have someone like Sean Payton in there, you don't have to worry about that anyway. If we look at Jim Harbaugh, he has always had a brilliant kind of reputation of getting other coaches. Like you look at his offensive coordinator was Greg Roman, who is one of the favorites to be interviewed for the Bears job. And Vic Fangio, who's one of the most beloved coaches that we've had. So you look at that and you're like, he knows how to put together a staff. And that's another positive that kind of comes up here as well. So it's definitely going to be very interesting to kind of finish off the show. We spoke a little bit about JD earlier in terms of him, him passing and passing suddenly. I just want to, again, give kind of people an update that the amount of money that's gone up to is $470,000, which is just ridiculous, just absolutely ridiculous. And Bears fans should be really proud of what they've been able to do over the last while to be able to to do that. And like you mentioned, Corey, you said something like it was 7,500 donations. There's now 8.1,000 donations. So that's from separate people. And where I do want to finish the show is because we're talking about head coaches here. One of the famous voices, coaches, announcers of the game also suddenly passed away. He had what was really interesting was there's just a documentary that was only released about him last week on I think it was Thursday Night Football. And obviously John Madden has he also suddenly passed away. I think some people were expecting it at some point in time because I, I think he was a I think he was sick, but again quick thoughts from from both you guys how what was your opinion we're already kind of grieving a little bit from what we were hearing about jd to only hear then about john madden in the same day passing away yeah john madden is 
is my childhood is my childhood football. Uh, like John Madden was what in Ireland when there was no other sport on live TV that suddenly you'd have a Monday night football game or whatever game it would be on your hour and he seemed to always be the commentator and then you'd get your little Nintendo or whatever TV or a little kind of game console that, and he was the guy there and I, I thought it was brilliant I listened to a great documentary I think from the guys um, who created the Madden game and how Madden was created um, and they were talking about how that he was obsessive about the plays and they were like no no, no it's okay coach we, we can do 10 is all we can do and he went away for like a weekend and came back with like 150 of them i was like no you have to get these in or you can't have my name connected to the game and, and it's it, it just it's his voice it's his commentary it's his attitude it's 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 something that's very 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 dear to to football and not just football in the states either not football around the world i think it's he is connected to the NFL and, and yeah, you're going to forget that he was the, the Raiders coach because he was such a good co-commentator and he was such a good connected to the thing, but he was a sensational head coach and he was a, a, a sensational kind of team member. When he got injured all that time ago, he, he started his coaching ticket by just sitting at the back of the room in the quarterback's room um, for hours and hours and hours. Until eventually he was asked his opinion and look, very, very sad for the Madden family and, and, and it's, it's a, again, football seemed to get a bit of a kick in yesterday, really. Yeah, I think, um, especially for those of us who grew up in the 80s and the 90s, he is the voice of football. There's, you could, you could close your eyes, think back to Monday Night Football growing up, you know, when I'm 9, 10, 11, that, that was John Madden. Um, and he obviously changed, he didn't just change the game of football, he changed the, the world of football. You know, it, it, it went past the boundaries of just the game. Even people who don't follow football know John Madden. And I think that that is, that is the biggest testament to his legacy. And I'm, I'm happy that we got the pleasure of having him here on earth for as long as we did. And my, you know, my thoughts and prayers go out to his family. And I'm, I'm just so grateful that, that he was the man that he was, you know, because selfishly we got to enjoy all of it. Yeah, I completely agree. And as like like Anthony was saying, me growing up, the first football games I would have watched, whether it was when I was here in Ireland or when I was visiting family in Chicago, John Madden was always the commentator, it seemed like, when it was these big games, these Thursday night football, Monday night football, all these, it seemed like, he was the guy that you heard, and it was just his, again, it's very similar to when I think about Jeff Dickerson. It's like that infectious laugh that he would have, and you. it was one of those that you knew who it was, and even when you go to, like, to the Madden games, and I, I think of, like, the kids now that play it, that even though his name is associated with it, it's like he used to commentate on it, and he doesn't do that anymore, and it's other people. I'm like, it just feels wrong when when it goes to that and look like chubb says is that there's always people that complain about the commentators now whether you like joe book chris collingsworth tony romo or whoever comes on the one thing i think everybody was in agreement with was just how good of a person commentator coach and re-advocate for the nfl game john, that john madden was and it's definitely going to be a it's definitely going to be a loss. Um, I know he wasn't around the game as much because as he as he got older, but it was one of those 
kind of figures that everybody knew that he was still alive and people were very happy just to be able to say that they were able to know of his achievements and know of his great work and it's something that we all kind of it's one of those things that when you hear him you go back to kind of your childhood you go back to kind of those games that you remember like I always I don't know why it is but I always remember I can't even remember from what season it was a Bears and Raiders either Thursday night football or Monday night football game where John Madden was there it was one of the kind of first ones watching with all my family in in Chicago and it's Anytime I hear his voice, I go back to that game and go back to that time. And I think everybody has that feeling when they hear him, they think of a particular game that they remember him commentating. And it might not even be the most important one, it's a, but it's one of those things that we always tend to go back to. It's like, you can think about this for a lot of commentators. Like when I think of even for the Bears, when I think of Jeff Joniak, I go straight to Devin Hester. Like, yeah. But John Madden has that for on the national level. And I think it's it was a sad day yesterday for many different reasons, but to lose a big advocate for football and for a lot of newcomers to the game, it'll be a shame that they won't get to experience what a lot of us were able to. So it was it was great being able to talk about a lot of this. I know there's some somber notes where we have to we do have to talk about some of this stuff. And like I said, and I do want to kind of reiterate this for anybody whether you're listening now on YouTube, on Twitter, and um, whether you're going to be listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anything like that, is please head over um, to the GoFundMe page for Parker Dickinson because, um, or Dickerson, my bad, um, because, again, it's, it's important whether you want to donate a little bit, whether you want to write a nice message um, on twitter send to some of his friends or again be supportive of kind of what is happening at the moment um again if you want to buy yourself a, a t-shirt from um obvious shirts or whether you want to buy yourself a hoodie again all of that goes towards this again i've kind of given you guys a couple of, of updates it just keeps going up every time i four, see seven, it six. it's four four hundred and seventy six thousand dollars so in the in the eight minutes that we've been speaking because i kept around the clock it's gone up six and a half grand like, that's just it, insane it, it's insane and it, it it really goes to show the footballing community has been able to has been able to come together so like i said whether you want to support it by writing a message on Twitter, whether you want to support it by donating a little bit, whether you want to support it by buying yourself an obvious shirt or an obvious hoodie. Again, I know they're both on there or even something as simple as like I mentioned earlier on the show, whether it's a bears win or a loss at the weekend that you think twice before you say something on, on Twitter stories like this should be a reason why we come together. and like, the amount of you see all these beat reporters and the amount of abuse they have to take from some fans. I think this is a perfect situation to show maybe instead of hurling abuse at somebody because they're writing something that maybe you don't like or has a different opinion than you. This is a great time for, I think everybody to come together, which look the Chicago bears fan base has been able to do that with this story. It would be nicer if that could happen on a more regular basis and it doesn't take it kind of a a sad story for that to happen but look all i can say is that personally i feel proud to be part of this fan base 
especially when you've seen how much good that this has been able to achieve over the last 24 hours. And I hope that this just keeps continuing. I hope we see when it comes to game day on Sunday that something is done to where this amount of money even goes up even more because there's more people kind of going out about it. I love seeing the likes of Adam Schefter, Field Yates, um, Riddick, all these guys kind of talking about it, sharing it, donating. It's it's really, really important for a special guy in terms of Jeff and also a very kind of special member of the Chicago sports media. So it's been great to be able to talk to you guys, to be able to talk about this. Um, we will put up the different sections of the video. So we had an interview earlier on with one of the Ohio State beat reporters. We will put that up as a separate video. We will put up the part that we do talk about kind of Jeff as well because there was like a 15, 20 minute section. So if you guys want to kind of check out individually some of that, that will all be available on YouTube over the next 24 hours. So make sure you check that out. We will be back probably on Sunday. I can't. We, we may be here during the game or it might be here just after because again only two games left it's we're going to have a little bit of fun over the next two or so weeks because it's been it's been a tough ride so we want to want to have a little bit of fun as we get close to it again we will be talking about some of the other coaching candidates so all we can say is stick with us make sure that you do like i said make sure you subscribe make sure you like we're only 15 subscribers away from 600 we really appreciate you guys sharing all of our content out there there's a lot of important things that are going to be coming out over the next couple of weeks that we want to be able to include as many of our listeners as possible in. So check out Twitter for all the updates on there. Um, until next time, and hopefully probably on Sunday when we do face the Giants, all we can say is bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Bear down.